wants you and I to be marked specifically for his purpose and for his glory. It began in Genesis chapter 12, this marking. The Bible says, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I'll show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those that bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Sounds like a branding to me. We want to be branded by God and his great commitment and covenant over us. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for the word. Lord, thank you today for the worship. Thank you for the lives that said yes to you today. And God, let every word that Joey Stillman says fall to the ground. And every word that comes forth from you penetrate our hearts and change us forever. Not because we've met with a man, but God, we met with you. Flow through me, Holy Spirit, and touch the hearts of every person here, wherever they're at. In Jesus' name, and all God's men and women said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say you're handsome. Turn to your other neighbor and say you're good looking. Are beautiful, depending on who's next to you. Or say hello if they're not good looking or handsome. Just say hello. Hello to all of you today. No, just teasing. I am just teasing. You are a beautiful bunch. You know, we only let beautiful people into Oasis. We let no ugly people in here. So you have to realize today, no ugly people were allowed in this church today. So thou art beautiful. Give yourself a round of applause. The beautiful people. You're beautiful people. Now, I want you to think about this because I want to drive this message, but I need you this today to lean in. Everybody say, lean in. I need you to listen to what's being shared today because this is not my opinion, nor is this my interpretation. This is something that is a foundational belief for Christians. Now, if I'm not talking to Christians, don't lean in, get lost. If I'm talking to believers, you need to lean in and not be lost of what's going to be shared with you today because we're going to talk about God great commitment. It's called a covenant. Covenant is the most important word in all of the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's not just another topic like faith. It's the foundation of all of our Christianity. It's been said that covenant is the soil for which every flower of God blossoms. Covenant is the key that ties the Old Testament together, Jennifer, and the New Testament together, Jennifer, because the Old Testament concealed is the New Testament revealed. Covenant is the secret to having power with God. It's the secret to having divine health and healing, love, joy, peace, and deliverance. The word covenant has all of that in it. Now listen closely. Lean in, because God made covenant with this man by the name of Abraham. He branded him, if you will, to demonstrate to an ungodly world that Jehovah God could provide above all other gods. Now understand, every time that mankind gets the opportunity, they start to go into paganism. But God is saying here in Genesis 12, I read it, I'm going to find me a special people. That would be the Jewish people. And I'm going to call them a covenant people, meaning a committed people of what I'm going to establish through them. Not because of their faithfulness, but because of my faithfulness. And I am going to have a before and an after test. I'm going to have what we will call a living laboratory experience experiment on this earth. I want everybody that can see and know that the blessing I'm going to pour out on this man, Abraham, are so supernatural, they cannot be explained any other way. God said, let's compare what it's like with those people who serve dead, useless gods, and let's stack them up to the people that serve the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The Bible says that Abraham became a man of mighty wealth. 
which tells you and I we can be a friend with God and have wealth. We just can't let the wealth have us. King David said in Psalms 25, 14, God's secrets he shows to those who walk in covenant. Did you hear that statement? God's secrets he shows to those who walk in covenant. Do you want to know God's secrets? Do you want to know God's revelation? We all do. Then we need to learn to live in a covenant committed relationship with God and with one another. Now think about this. There are three types of covenant in the scripture. There's a blood covenant. It's eternal and it's unbreakable. There's a salt covenant, which is a covenant of loyalty. And listen, you're not loyal till you had an opportunity to be disloyal. Then there's a shoe covenant. I don't understand this one. However, it's what Boaz used when he, when, she, when he married Ruth. It's the BOGO, buy one, get one. I don't understand that form of covenant, but the fact is every, prod, every blessing you have is a product of covenant. So what is that covenant? Because every blessing we have is a product of this covenant. Think about that. A covenant always requires a sacrifice. A commitment, I want to say it like that so we can understand it. Again, lean in. A commitment, covenant, always, without exception, requires a sacrifice. Now, in a blood covenant, four things happen. Listen to this. This is amazing. The, poor, the parties of the people that are making this commitment to one another, they, they make this covenant, if you will. They pass between, Jennifer talked about it, the dead animals that have been cut in half. And if you've ever skinned an animal or killed an animal or been around anybody who's done it, it is a brutal thing. It is a bloody thing. They walk between these animals that have been cut in half and they recite the vows of the commitment covenant, which is what we would call an oath. They make an oath. Then they exchange names in this procedure. Abram was first called Abram. His name was changed into Abraham. Then there's a covenant meal, which you and I know in Christian circles as communion. Think about that. Jeremiah 34, 18. I'll give the man who transgressed my covenant when they cut the calf in half and they pass between the parts thereof. Think about this amazing thing that's happening. Genesis 15. Abraham receives the title deed to Israel from God through a blood covenant and to his descendants forever and forever for eternity. Not for a hundred years. He says, I'll give this commitment for a thousand years. That's God's way of saying forever. It was unconditional. It was unbelievable. It was not dependent upon the faithfulness of Abraham. It was only dependent on the faithfulness of God. So when you see the Jewish people of the 21st century, that covenant that God made in Genesis chapter 15 is as true today as it was back then, not because of the Jewish people's faithfulness, but because of the faithfulness of God. Now translate that to your life. Your commitment to God is no match for God's commitment to you. Your insignificant, puny, little, meaningless, significant, what you think is a commitment to God says nothing to the commitment God has made for you. He has given you everything. He has shed his blood. And when you understand that, the commitment you make is no match for the commitment that God has made. Oh, that, my friends, is something to blow your ever-loving wig back. Because we think we make this huge commitment and God says, you do not understand. It's not based upon your commitment. It's based on my commitment. I love that. Think about it. Let's meet the man Abraham because you have to realize Abraham, the Bible says he is the father of all who believe. 
not just Jewish people, of all people who believe. So who is Abraham? The Bible says he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God by absolute faith. Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel. Abraham, who's called the friend of God. Abraham, who adored God and he obeyed God to the point that he took his son Isaac and he tied him to an altar and he was ready to thrust a razor-sharp dagger in his chest to prove his fidelity and faithfulness to God. There are some Christians who won't come to church on Sunday because it's raining outside. It's inclement weather. The weather forecast says sprinkles and a light chance of rain. Lock the door. It's family time. Well, watch it online, and you won't watch it online. Who are you lying? You ain't even watching right now. You're like getting food. You're talking to somebody. You're not even watching right now. See, you don't even listen to what I'm saying. I'm totally right. I know, because I do the same thing when I watch. When I was in Africa, I watched us, and then Andrew and I were eating and had another conversation. I said, oh, wait, that's Jennifer. Let me kiss the screen. And then it got a little weird, and they kicked me out of the restaurant. and said, take your weird computer with you. But the Bible calls Abraham the friend of God. Think about this. When we want what, what Abraham had, we must be willing to do what Abraham did. And his level of devotion so far exceeds ours, it's appalling to even think about it. Abraham, the friend of God. Abraham, the great-great-grandfather of Jesus Christ. Abraham, the man that God left heaven and went down to this earth and had supper with him. Nobody bats in the league of Abraham, right? So what three things did God command of this man, Abraham, that he commands of every one of us? These are three quick points, and then we'll have communion together. The first one is, when you're branded by God, you must separate yourself from the things of this world. You've got to learn how to separate yourself from the things of this world. Genesis 12 and 1, get out of your country, away from your kindred, and away from your father's house, into a land I will show you. God has a destination location for you that he wants to show you. Not what you're seeing on your maps and what you see in your own understanding. He has something he wants to show you. Separation, threefold separation. Think about it. Separation from your country, from your kindred, and from your father's house. Separation. Separation. Why did he tell him to separate from his father? Because his father was a worshiper of idols. Abraham was raised in a home where they would put those little deities up and they prayed to them and they worshiped them and they gave them alms and they tried to worship false gods. Separation. Get that in your mind because the world talks about inclusion, tolerance, tolerate everybody's position and belief. Equity is the name of the game. Tolerate everybody's position, everybody's belief. And if you don't tolerate my position and my belief and what I stand for and my truth, this is my truth we're talking about, don't you know? And if you don't come to a place of bowing before the shrine of my truth, you are a big gorilla jerk. And you don't have the truth because this is my truth. And if it's my truth, it better be your truth. Oh, think about what God is saying here. Separation. The world's talking about inclusion. Tolerance. Let's put everybody in the same thing. Everybody the same. Let's tolerate everybody's position and belief. But if that was just the case, that would be okay. But the new tolerance says, not only do you endorse my position, not only do you have to endorse my belief, if you don't bow down to what we're saying and bow down and give up your beliefs and your position, you are a right-wing, homophobic, Islamophobic, xenophobic, all other phobics, and you are a jerk. 
And God's word is separation. Joshua was not tolerant. He said to Israel, who's on the Lord's side? Jesus was not tolerant. He said, he said, he who is not for me is against me. Think about it. Not only was the apostle Paul says, I'm branded for this marking of God. He says, I've been branded by this covenant. The apostle Paul, the one who was branded, who had the markings of the Lord on his body, said, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Think about that. The Bible's not just tolerant of sin. It tells us to remove it out of our very existence. Think about what God has done in the Bible. Tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. He says, no, separation. Do you know God does something very un unrealistic in the 21st century? He's dividing humanity into groups. The God of the universe, Pastor Stillman, is dividing humanity into groups? Oh, yes. One group saved. Another group lost. One group walking on the path of righteousness. Another group on a way to the heartbeat of hell. One group is called led by the shepherd who are his sheep. Another group is led by Satan because they're goats. One group is walking in the ways of righteousness for his namesake. The other walks in the ways of the world and forsakes the things of God. Tolerance is not just wrong. I would submit to you today, tolerance is sin. If you have to compromise the Bible's truth to be accepted by the world. Listen, if you made up your mind to be accepted by the world and to offend our father, you, my friend, have made the wrong decision. Abraham failed to do what God told him to do, just like what we do. We fail sometimes, don't we? How many of you have ever failed? Well, we got 100% cooperation in the house of God today. Wow. Fantastic. That's what I love about the Bible. You would think Abraham, who's the friend of God, God does all these things, he has supper with him. You would think that he would just show Abraham in all his good light. But Abraham failed. He failed to separate from the world. In Genesis eleven thirty one, it says that Abraham did leave his country, but he took some baggage with him. He left his country, but he took his father, Tara, and his nephew, Lot, to the city by the name of Haran. Now, in the Bible, every name means something. I know your nickname means something, but in the Bible, they really mean something. The Bible tells us these names and their word meanings. Now, Tara means delay. And Haram, the place, the city they went to, translates parched place. And we know the word lot means veil. So what's the message in these three translations of these names? The message is, the translation is, until you separate yourself from the world, your blessing, which is the promised land, will be delayed. Is what Tara means. You will live in a parched place, which is harem. Parched place also translates hell on earth. You will live in hell on earth until you learn to separate from this world. You will never be a happy Christian holding hands with the world because how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Then we come to the name Lot. We know what Lot means. Lot means veil. And as soon as Abraham sent Lot away, God spoke to him and said, lift up your eyes. I want you to look north, south, east, and west. All the land you see, Abraham, I'm going to give it to you. Now listen closely. The Lot means veil. And as soon as that veil was taken out of Abraham's life, God began to show him his full inheritance. I speak that today to you because some of you today, if you're honest now, you have, and remember, we have 100% participation. If we're honest, you have relationships. You have 
have lots. You have certain little things you're getting up to and down on. And you have these veils that are suspiciously hindering you from experiencing the covenant blessings of God when you break that godless thing, when you break that godless track, when you break that godless relationship, when you break that godless thing, God will start to speak to you and say, open up your eyes. I want you to look north, south, east, and west. All the land you see, the blessings of the Lord upon you and your children and your children's children from this life and the life that's coming. Can we put our hands together and thank God for the power to say no? Then when I I see this passage of scripture, I think of, I think of something that God does, and it seems in the first reading of the text kind of harsh because he tells Abraham, get out, get out. He's telling you and I, I want you out of circumstances and situations that are gonna harm you and your future. When you read this, it seems kind of harsh. He tells Abraham, he says in the King James, get thee out. He tell him, get out of here, get out. I say, we all leave California, let's get out. Two of you want to go with me. We're going to Hawaii, everybody. Let's go. Now you're coming. You're paying, though, right? You're paying. I'm going. I'm flying if you're buying. <laughs> yeah, now you're quiet. Uh. If I'm paying, you're all, yeah. But he tells him to get out. And it's, it seems kind of harsh. But when you think about what he's doing and you really submit yourself to what God is saying, it's the most loving thing you can read. Here's why. The commands of God are never accompanied by reasons. Why? Because the thoughts of God are so far above ours as the heavens from the earth, we couldn't understand it if God gave us a reason. The commands of God are never accompanied by reason, but the commands of God are always given by a promise. Whew, that's a great statement. I can't even repeat it. It's so good. God gave three commands to Abraham. Get out of your country, away from your kindred, and away from your father's house. And look at the three blessings he sent to Abraham in Genesis 12. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'll make of you a great nation. Abraham gave up his country. So God said to Abraham, if you give up your country and your land, I'll make of you a great nation. You're not going to be one among many, brother. You're going to be the head of a whole nation. So what's God saying to you as Christians? You need to step into your rightful place of authority and the covenant that was given to you. When you accept the things of the kingdom and reject the things of this world, that means the ideology, that means the pulling, that means the, the influences, that means the Fauci's of their day are the political understandings that you think will lead you in the path of righteousness. When you forsake those things and you forsake the patterns of this world and you say, transform me by the renewing of my mind and by the word of the Lord, I'm going to say to this world, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And when you say goodbye to this world, you inherit the next world. And the next world is greater than this world. I like you a lot better than the first service. They were so quiet. I'm like, what's wrong with the first service? Then I yelled at them and then they got all upset. They were all scared. And then I said, I'm sorry. You're a lot better than the first service. So congrats. Now, I want you to think about this. God says, I'm going to, I don't even know why I told you that. It's confession. But God says, I'm going to bless you with covenant blessings. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, in your health. I'm going to bless you in your family. I'm going to bless you in your finances. The message for you and I, when you forsake this earth, God says, I'm going to bless you in every area of your life. I'm going to bless you so supernaturally. If you'll give up your family, I'll be your family. That's what God said to Abraham, and that's what God's saying to you and I. If you give up this world and you get up what you think you deserve, God gives you more than you possibly dreamed or imagined. 
man, you guys are awesome. And then God says, Abraham, these words, I'll make your name great. I've asked you to leave the Father. That's the source of your name. But I'm going to make your name a byword on the planet. I can tell you anywhere on the planet. You can say, who's Father Abraham? And they'll say, he's the father of the Jewish people. He's actually the father of the Muslims, too, because of, because of Ishmael. So think about what's happening here. Who's Abraham? The father and the source of all, which is faith. Think about what's happening here. God says, if you'll give up this, this thing, I'll make you be the main thing. I'll make your name a byword on the planet. So what does that mean to us as believers? I'm glad you asked. That means if you forsake this earth and the patterns and the precepts of this earth, that means if you will let God take you out of this world. And I'm not telling you to stop your job. I'm telling you how you process things, how you are living things, how you're, how you're receiving things. If you will forsake that stuff and accept a spiritual family, you have to realize as a believer, you are now part of a kingdom and your king is Jesus Christ. And the law of the kingdom is found right here in this book. So when you forsake the world, that's what you're really doing. You are saying this law is greater than what comes out of Washington. What's here is greater than anything that we'll ever hear from the political pundits. It's greater than anything that will somebody will ever tell us on social media. What's in here is how I government my life. I read it to be wise. I practice it to be holy. I speak it out in faith believing. I need to know what's in this book because it governs my life in this one and the next one separate from the world and then he says I want you to separate Abraham because I want you to be a person that serves the Bible says to him you're going to be a blessing you're going to be a blessing how many of you know you can't not be a blessing until you're blessed you have to be blessed to be a blessing I mean you know there's giving and receiving you can't give what you don't have you cannot be a blessing until you are first blessed. I'm blessed. Deep down in your gut, I'm blessed. You've got, come on, let's say it together. I'm blessed. Come on, say it like you got some guts. I'm blessed. I don't even know why I'm telling you to do that. I don't know, it just sounded fun. But you can't be a blessing until you're willing to give it out. And we're talking about the greatest among you. Jesus said, the greatest among you are the servants of all. Not because you're just serving the Lord. I mean, no, that's a mechanical way of religious opportunity for people when they say, serve God, serve God, serve God. We are a reflection of the glory of God. When we glorify God through our lives and our bodies and our minds, our speech, our hands, our feet, we reflect God. Therefore, we cannot help but serve one another. The Bible says the greatest among you are the servants of all. Why? You're serving one another. I know Barnes and Nobles has massive bookshelves that have self-help, self-help. But how about the bookshelf that says serve others? serve others, help others. There's nothing in the bookshelves about helping others. Everything is self-help. Get in touch with your inner self. Focus on your inner self. We need to focus on you. Let's all learn about you. Would you come up right now and tell us about you? Because we just can't get enough of you. Because you, 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 and I think you, you, you is pew, pew, pew. Because when you make it about you, 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 you stink. And I know you might be great on Instagram, but you still stink. You can suck it and tuck it all you want. 
We can slice you up like a steak. It's okay. But it's still not about you. That's what God wants us to understand. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference one unto another. Galatians 5.13, you were called to freedom, brethren, but do not use your freedom for an opportunity for the flesh. That means you. You. Let me tell you about me. I don't care. Okay, we don't need to see everything on social media. I don't care what you eat, okay? Spaghetti, fine, eat it. This is the best spaghetti, you need to go here. No, I don't. If I wanted to go, I'd go. Just because you say it's good doesn't mean it's good to me, okay? Liar, you're probably getting the money from the spaghetti factory. And I've been there and it doesn't taste very good. I'm just saying. I don't know where I was going with that message, but I just thought to myself, What's happened to my anointing? It's, it's waning. <laughs> but thank you. But we're called to separate. As Pastor Tyon comes, we're called to separate to serve. And here's the best one I think that is really hits home for me personally. Because I think, I think we can all say, you know what? There's things in the world I need to separate from. I'm, I'm obviously a part of a church that serves the community. That serves the humanity the best it can. With resources sometimes it doesn't even have. It just operates in faith. But here's the, here's the one that I want to transition us to as a body, as fellow believers, all of us, no matter if you come once a month, once a year, once every other week. But I want us to really be people because when we're branded of God, we become to separate so we can worship. We worship. The Bible says in Genesis 12 and 8 that he went east to Bethel and he built an altar unto the Lord there. See, there was no altars in Ur, the place that he came from. There was only idols there. There was only an altar in Bethel because the word Bethel means the house of the Lord. That's why King David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Why? Because in the house of the Lord, it's the place of prayer. It's the place of power. It's the place where the stain of the soul is removed by the blood of the lamb. It's the place where marriages get healed. It's the place of praise and worship where things get, begin to jump off on you and the spirit begins to come on you. It's the place where power Poverty begins to go wayward. It's the place where healing begins to come forth. It's the place of the greatest health spa on planet earth, the house of the living God, and there's no other place like it. You'll never get that by watching. You're not even watching, by the way. You get it by getting in the house because there's healing in the house. There's miracles in the house. Some of us have built places of worship for the wrong things. And we don't realize Bethel, the house of the Lord, is where you need to come and make the main thing the main thing. You've built altars for other things and you wonder why you can't worship on a Sunday. You wonder why you come in late, not because you don't like the songs, it's because your heart has drifted away from the things of God. Because you've built altars in the wrong places. You have to realize that God wants us to be people that are branded by separating from the things of this world and separating so we could serve humanity, not in an arrogant way where it's about me, 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 but a way it reflects him, him, him. And so we can become worshipers. But you have to realize when we're talking about a blood covenant, it's for life between two people. It binds people together forever. It always has an oath spoken, which is a vow. And it requires the death of two wills and the birth of one will. Now in the Bible, covenant breakers were considered the lowest form. 
Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It says, in the last days, how many of you know, that's the age of a dispensational closure. In the last days, we are in those last days days. In the last days, how do we know they're the last days? Perilous times shall come. We went one month from Afghanistan to a a faulty, uh, made-up thing in Ukraine. Why? To funnel war and to pursue purposes that are not godly. The perilous times are upon us, and time shall come when men will be lovers of themselves. Sounds like a selfie generation to me. Covetousness, boasters, proud, unthankful, unholy, covenant breakers without natural affection that means same-sex attraction making it seem meaningful and making it seem honorable when I'll assure you it's not it's very very harmful lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God think about that having forms of godliness but denying the power that raised Christ from the dead, the power that gives that resurrection communion cup its power, the power that makes that bread represent the actual body of the Lord, that makes that juice represent the blood that was shed. I'm talking about the power that raised Christ from the dead. That same power works in this room right now. That same power can heal you of diabetes and heal you of cancer. That same power can give you prophetic utterances that you know not of. That power can give you houses you did not build vineyards you did not build, wells you did not dig. That same power can give you the best of things and the worst of time. God's resurrection power, it was the answer. It is the answer. It always will be the answer. That means God's relentless pursuit of mankind. When we're faithless, he's so faithful. It's a solemn pronouncement where two wills die and one will is born. But here's the issue, the war of wills. Our will versus God's will. And your cross comes where you take God's will and your will and they intersect. That's why the Bible says crucify that will every day. I've been crucified with Christ. It's not a one and done. It's where Apostle Paul, the one who is branded, says, I die daily. 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 Not one and done. Not a little dab that does me. I have to die daily. That means I have to lean to what God wants me to die to of the things of this world daily. It's a solemn pronouncement where two wills die and one will comes alive. But our problems come with this war of wills that we battle with. When you gave your life to Christ, you spoke a covenant, you made an oath. The problem is many Christians lie. When things get tough and the enemy comes in, they get their jacket because they can't hack it. They go out into the world, they live like hell, and they wonder where the power and the peace of God is. Think about that. Jesus says, this commitment that I've made is eternal. It's unbreakable. That's why the backslider is no match for the great revealer of secrets. The backslider is no match for the great I am of the church. The backslider can't run far enough. He can't sin enough. He can't go in the depths enough because wherever I go, the Lord is there. I'm telling you that because when you gave your life to Christ, you spoke an oath, whether you were commitment lazy or not. But that oath was spoken. It wasn't dependent upon your faithfulness. It was dependent upon the faithfulness of God. That's why backsliders know the way home. 
That's why before they die on their deathbed because of full-blown alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever got them out in the lost far country, they come back to God because that never-ending commitment to His Word. Oh, boom. Game changer. Game changer. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? Who wouldn't want to love and worship a father like that? Who, when I'm faithless, he's faithful. Think about it. There's a Middle Eastern saying that says, blood is thicker than milk. And what that means is, you and I may be brothers because we shared the milk of our mother. But by blood covenant, we're bound tighter than family ties. Now, how does that work as us as believers? Because the one who wrote the Bible from cover to cover, Jesus, he is the word. The word was dwelling among us and became flesh. He told us in the Old Testament that he would be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. How in the world can he stick closer than a brother? By blood, by blood. Every Christian that comes through the body of Christ only comes through the blood-soaked Calvary sacrifice. We are one in the body of Christ. It is not possible to be separated by wealth, power, or position. We are one in the body of Christ. Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, I wish they, the church, were one as you and I are one. Why? So the world would know that you would sent me. The flip of that logic is when we find ourselves bickering and backbiting one another and being unhonored and dishonorable to this thing or that thing. It's a testimony to the world that we don't have the real deal. So I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, when you make a commitment, you stick with that commitment and you trust that God will see you through. He'll see you through that marriage. He'll see you through that circumstance. He'll see you through because when you're faithless, he's faithful. Hallelujah. Every believer, man, man, so how do we live this life right now? You can't hold grudges or resentment. You're not to take this communion in an unworthy manner because there's a world of difference between being a Christian which is saved because of God's great commitment. I would sit down, but my pants are too tight. I wouldn't be able to get back up. But I'd like to sit down because I really want to make an emphasis on seriousness. Because there's a big difference between being a Christian which is saved, like the men and women that received Christ to come back today. There's a world of difference between being a Christian that is saved and walking in a covenant relationship. And here it is. Every disciple is a Christian, but not every Christian is a disciple. A disciple hints the word discipline. And discipline is somebody who does what Jesus did. They walk in the ways of the Lord. They reflect the glory of God. They don't chase after things, things chase after them because they walk in the manifest presence of God. The Bible says in the last days, right now, this dispensational end that we're coming to before the rapture of the church, in the last days, men would be covenant breakers. In the last days, these perilous times would come for we would be a faithless generation, a ruthless generation. Romans 131 describes the generation that you and I are a part of, a faith and ruthless generation think about that but covenant keeping means faithfulness it means loyalty and commitment and loyalty to his word and loyalty to the people that God has brought around you and understanding that you're in a place where you can live a life as a disciple and a follower of him the making of the covenant the bull is split in half 
and they walk by the way of a figure eight. You ever see people get those tattoos of the figure eights upon them, thinking it's all kooky and weird and awesome? They got it from the Bible. It's a figure eight. It's used as this day as an expression of infinity. That means it should be kept forever. The solemn pronouncement was given. The exchange of names. Abram was changed into Abraham. The solemn pronouncement was given. The names were changed. In Revelation chapter 4, it says that we, when we get to heaven, will receive a new name on a new stone in the new Jerusalem. Why? Because of the covenant. And all that God promised to Abraham in Genesis was revealed and consummated in Genesis 15. And all that God promised to you and I, the church, was revealed and sealed in the blood atonement of Calvary. God speaks of it. He says, I've graven thee upon the palm of my hand. It's where you get the handshake from. It's an expression of covenant. It's an expression of a commitment. The Lord has sworn by his right arm and the hand of his mighty strength. When you come into these Camille times like we're doing today, it's because God's great commitment to you. David said, my familiar friend to which I ate with, it was Judas who portrayed Jesus at the Passover meal. The celebration of the meal consisted of the wine, the juice, the blood, and the represented the body that was be broken for the Lord. And if you can't do that and say, God, I'm going to honor you, you should not take communion. It's not for you. It's for people who want to grow in grace with God. The Bible tells us in Corinthians that they were getting drunk at communion, falling down drunk. And God said, many of you are sick, meaning of disease, and many of them died because they did not take the commitment seriously. Now go with me today. As we close and we take this communion, the day Jesus died, the hill is covered with soldiers. And at the base of the cross is the weeping mother of Christ. The disciples have scattered in terror. The clouds have become blacker than a thousand midnights. It's become darker than dark. Why? Because God and his son Jesus are about to make a covenant. Because the God who sent the darkness in the book of Genesis where he gave Abraham the land and to the Jewish people forever and forever. He came then and he's coming now and he's making a covenant with his son. And father says, son, what are the contents of the covenant you and I are to make? Jesus says, father, let their sins be blotted out. Let their sins be buried in the deepest sea, never to be brought against them anymore. Let their sins, though they were like scarlet, make them as white as snow. And the father says, what else, my son? What else do you want in this covenant? And Jesus says, Father, let the veil of the temple be torn from top to bottom. Let men and women walk boldly into the throne room of grace. Give them my name today and be known today as my people. And father says, what else, my son? And Jesus says, this day, they're to be members of the royal family. They're to be kings and priests and princesses unto the most high God. They're no longer to be castaways and aliens and cast out. What they lost in the garden, I'm bringing it back to them now. And I'm jafting in the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, into the olive tree. And all the blessings of Abraham are theirs. And Father says, what else, my son? And Jesus says, Satan and his kingdom are to be defeated forever. And the church now is to receive the keys to death, hell, and the grave. They're to have power over demons and disease. They're to have power over principalities and darkness. And the Father says, what else, my son? And Jesus says, Father, I want you to give them eternal life for death. I want you to give them health and healing for sickness and disease. I want you to give them hope and happiness for depression and shame. And Jesus says, Father, 
Let them be known today as my people, as a covenant people, as a loyal people, as a faithful people who love not their lives unto the death. And in the darkness of Calvary, the Father and the Son stood in the blood of the Lamb. And the Son cried, It is finished. And the covenant was consummated and the slaves to sin and Satan were free. And for that reason, I stand on this platform today and tell you with the utmost confidence, with the boldness of a lion, that the son has set you free and who the son sets free is free indeed. Can we stand? Thank you for listening to the Oasis Church podcast. You can find our podcasts wherever podcasts are available. For more information, go to experienceoasis.org. Thanks again for listening.